Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Book Goody Author Series of Podcasts. I'm Deborah Carney, your host, and today I have um, an author with a really unique genre <laughs> um, today, uh, Mary Bond. Hi, Mary. How are you? Hi, Deborah. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, it's my pleasure to have you on. I've been talking to a lot of very interesting authors, and you know, your story sounds even more interesting than some of the ones I've already uh, interviewed. Why don't you tell people a little bit about your um, your background and what your genre is? Sure. Um, I am a romance writer, a historical romance writer. I've been writing for many, many years. Um, I started out in traditional publishing, publishing zebra regency romances. Okay. Can you explain what a zebra regency romance is, please? Absolutely. Um, zebra is an imprint of Kensington Books, which, a medium-sized traditional publisher. Mm -hmm. um, and they used to publish what is known as traditional regency romances. These are romances set in the regency period in England that's about... Oh, 1810 through 1825, when uh, George III was declared legally insane and his son took over ruling the country as the Prince Regent. Oh, okay. Uh, that makes sense now. Uh-huh. Um, and these books uh, were are the thinner books, the thinner romances, 75,000 words. Okay. About and how many pages does that translate into? Um, about 200, 250. Okay. okay. So it, it's a slightly smaller Regency, kind of the, the same size as our Harlequin. Okay, cool. And um, so I published four of those, a series mm -hmm. called the Merry Men Quartet. Okay. Um, and those were published in 2004 and 2005. You can still find them on Amazon. They're sell for about a penny each. <laughs> uh, okay. Shipping will cost you more. <laughs> exactly. And um, they, my last Regency was absolutely the last Regency romance that they published. Wow. Yeah, that that's my claim to fame. <laughs> they, they got out of the they got out of that genre completely. They did. They found that it just wasn't as profitable as they needed it to be. Okay. And so they stopped publishing them. Very soon after that, Signet, which was the only other publisher of traditional regencies, also got out of the business. Okay. And that was the end of the traditional regency romance. Okay. And But you're still writing that now? Well, what I'm writing now is um, sort of a modernized version of that uh i write now regency set paranormal romances okay which are loads of fun because it's the traditional regency with it's a little spicier the my the first regencies were completely clean no sex at all okay and this my newer one has some mm -hmm. um and then I added on a paranormal element to the historical romance. That that just sounds like something that I wouldn't be able to keep track of. 
<laughs> if I were trying to write that, I think that would be a little bit too much, a little too many facts that I wouldn't be able to keep straight in my head. So um, I, I love the idea. So what is the new story? Um, you know, like what's the, what's the storyline for the new, uh, the new books? Okay. Um, the concept is the seventh child of the seventh child in the seventh generation is the most magically powerful. And traditionally, the seventh child has always been a girl. Okay. And in this family, uh, the seventh child turns out to be a boy. Okay. And uh, his mother immediately wants to kill him. Right, because he's not right. Because he's he's not right, exactly. There's something wrong with him. He's a man. (laughs) He's male. (laughs) Um, and because he's male he doesn't have the magical powers he should have Okay. and he is supposed to be this all powerful person Mm -hmm. um, but because he's male he doesn't have the powers and he needs to find his powers by his 21st birthday or he won't attain his destiny which is to become the high priest of all magical people who I call Valen Okay. And, but it seems to me, and, you know, this is, goes along with your story anyway, but it seems to me that if his mother killed him, it still wouldn't work because it would still be the eighth child if she had That's another right. <laughs> she wouldn't. She wouldn't fix anything. No. It's, that's a very good point. And so, um, luckily, his father convinces his mother not to kill him on his birth. Okay. <laughs> um, and so he grows up, but sort of shunned by his family Mm -hmm. and especially his mother who despises him she's the antagonist of the story okay and the paranormal is just the magical part the magical people part yes okay cool exactly all right i get it um and now you've been traditionally published before and this one you're independently publishing yes this one i have self-published and what, um, where did you self-publish on? Did you use, um, where did you self-publish on? Well, it's currently part of the Kindle Select program. Okay. Um, and that will expire, um, or end, I suppose, on August 1st, at which point I will republish it onto Barnes & Noble and Smashwords, mm-hmm. and uh, Kobo is now allowing authors to publish directly onto their site. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. Are yeah. you listening up, everybody? That's a new one. <laughs> I just got the email today. Okay. And so I put actually my nonfiction book up there today. Okay. And what did you write a nonfiction book about? Well, I'm not only a writer, but I'm also a teacher. Okay. I teach writing at my local community college. Oh, that's awesome, because part of our podcast is going to be asking you your advice for new writers, so you'll flow right into that one. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because I have been teaching uh, novel writing for the past five, six years um, in the continuing ed program at my community college. It's great. I love it. Yeah, it must be great, because especially with in continuing ed, you're not getting kids that have to be there. You're getting, exactly. you're getting people that want to be there and they want to learn what it is you're teaching them. So they're more engaged and they're not just sitting there falling asleep trying to, you know, squeeze through to get a 
passing grade. Not only that, but I get to meet the most fascinating people. I Every class has people of all ages from their early 20s through their 70s and people with a whole host of experience and backgrounds, and it's just fabulous. I love it. That's great. It's kind of like this podcast series. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm interviewing, over the course of about five weeks, I'm interviewing about 100 authors. So I'm, I'm wow. really talking to a, a very big cross-section from, um, you know, medical nonfiction all the way up to uh, quite a bit of paranormal romance. And um, you're the first Regency paranormal romance. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hitting all different levels and a lot of different publishing styles, too. So um, it'll be interesting when I look back at everybody to see uh, those of you that self-published and the people that traditionally published and what everybody's reasoning was um, to follow up. Now, um, you you published on um, Kindle, and you're in the KDP Select program right now, like you said, and then August 1st you'll be able to go put it out on, on uh, other platforms. For people that don't know, KDP Select requires you to be um, Amazon exclusive with your ebook, not with a print book, but with your ebook for right. 90 days. <clears throat> and once the 90 days are up, you can either re-enlist or you can, you know, go on and publish on other on other places. Um, during your time as being KDP Select, did you use your five promo days to give away your book for free? I have used four of them. Okay. Um, on May 11th and 12th, I was uh, free for two days, and then I joined with a group of writers to be free um, towards the end of May mm-hmm. on the 24th and 25th. Okay. So I, I actually have one more day left. I'm deciding whether I'm going to use it or not. Oh, you got to use it, and you got to send it to me and put it up. Okay. <laughs> what you have to do is on the Book Goodies website, up at the top, there's a little button that says Kindle Book Free Days, and you can put it there and tell me what day it's free, and I'll be able, because I approve all the posts, I'll be able to go in and see when you're going to have it for free. And, uh, and then I'll be able to download it and read it. Um, unfortunately, since I'm interviewing so many authors even if your book is only a couple of bucks i can't go buy them all (laughs) no that must be really hard for you um no it's it's okay because some of them are books that are in a genre that i would enjoy although you know 90 percent of them are books that i would i would read at some point but um even though i'm an author and do other things don't tell anybody but i really don't have time to read much (laughs) Oh my goodness. Which is why I, I do podcasts. I did not hear that. Yeah. But this is why I do podcasts. Because instead of having to read and write stuff, you know, like give, sending you a form to fill out for an interview and then me having to read it, I actually get to have a conversation with you. So I get to know you by hearing your voice and our re- our listeners get to know you by hearing your voice. So right there you go. Um, all right. So now... Is your um, your nonfiction book is self-published as well? It is. Both books are available um, also in paperback form from CreateSpace. Okay. That was going to be my and, next question. Yep. And um, my nonfiction book, it's called Chapter One, O-N-E. Okay. That's, the, that's also the name of my course. Okay. Um, and that is available on every... At, any e-retailer 
Okay. I, it's listed at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and through Smashwords, it's listed at Apple, Kobo, Sony, Diesel, and I can't even remember all where else they've got it. Listed. Right, they just send it everywhere. Exactly. So that one. So chapter one for any writers, um, you might be interested in taking a look. It's a general writing textbook. Okay. I I cover just about, you know, all the major topics of writing. So including characters, goal motivation and conflict, world building, point of view, story structure, dialogue, editing, everything. I cover them all. And, you know, and wasn't in it a surprisingly just... thin book. Oh, oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> short attention span. <laughs> People are short Exactly, but that's exactly how I structured it because I originally wrote it for um, teenagers, because I was right. teaching this course in middle school and the after-school program. And I know that kids don't have a lot of attention span. They don't want to read a nonfiction book that just goes on and on. Right. So I, I structured it so that there's a basic section at the beginning of every chapter, so you can get the gist of what I'm talking about. Okay. And then you, then you can skip to the end of the chapter, where I usually have a worksheet or an exercise. Okay. Or you can read the detailed section, which gives you the full lesson in much more detail. Okay. I'm probably going to go get that because I, even though I'm a writer, um, I'm, I'm a photographer. So since the Kindle Fire came out and I like the way my photos look in a photo book on the Kindle Fire, I kind of specialize uh -huh. in... Um, photography books that don't have a whole lot of text in them however um i have a, i had a son that did a lot of fiction writing and a lot of screenplays and a lot of um stage play scripts that i have uh laying around that i need to do something with and his fiction um is fantasy fantasy sci-fi and i already right. know i want to write the sequel because i can see where he left clues throughout the book uh, telling me, you know, or telling the reader that, you know, we're, we're leaving this for now, but it'll be in the sequel. You can just, you can just tell if you were paying attention through the book. And since I read it like 30 times, it became very obvious to me, you know, while I was editing it, it became very obvious to me that there's supposed to be a sequel and uh -huh. the screenplays are filled with dialogue. So uh -huh. I got dialogue down pat, but I need to be able to fill in um, the the rest, the descriptive. And I find it interesting that you're covering world building because I think 10 or 15 years ago, nobody talked about world building. It, it's like, it's something new or am well, I completely off base? Well, world building has always been there. I guess people just haven't thought about it very much because we're thinking about it a lot more with um, so much paranormal being out now, so much right. fantasy. But science fiction writers have always build, built worlds, You're right. and historical authors have always built their worlds. Yep. And in this fantasy that uh, my son has, he actually wrote, he actually drew a map um, uh -huh. at one time of the world that this took place in. So I should have, I should have paid attention to that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think, you know, I didn't think about that at the time. I didn't think of world building as being a whole separate um, thing that you need to learn how to do. And you're like the fifth or sixth person to bring it up. So 
um, I guess there is a real technique to that so that you stay true to your story throughout any, not only throughout your first book, but throughout your sequels. So oh, yeah. That, so that you don't screw anything up and introduce something that really wouldn't be a part of your world. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of authors um, keep notebooks. Okay. Of just of the world that they've created because they can get very detailed. Not okay. only maps, but, you know, social systems, political systems, economic systems, government systems, everything you can possibly think of, people build into their worlds. That's really cool. And it is. It goes into the um, the research aspect of things too. That you need to, as a writer, if you're going to build a, if you're working in fiction, you need to um, you need to have a lot of writers don't like to. Some writers don't like to have a lot of structure, but you need to do research into, let's say, the Regency era. You know, you can take mm-hmm. some creative license with it, but if you're not true to some of the historical facts, people are going to discount your book and not not trust you as a writer to know what you're talking about. That is especially true with Regency because there are some extremely devoted Regency fans and they have read a lot Mm -hmm. and they will call you out if you get anything (laughs) wrong. This didn't exist during this time period. She she didn't know what she's doing, so I'm not reading any more of her books ever. (laughs) Precisely. That is exactly how it happens. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Now, when you were traditionally published, obviously everything went to uh, through the traditional publishing house. Like they did your editing, they created your cover, you know, they did your. Um, yes. And since it was back far enough, they did. Were they still doing your marketing back then? I know they do a lot less marketing now. Yeah, they were um, not doing very much marketing then either. Okay. Yeah. So. That a lot of that was up to me. Okay. But there wasn't as much marketing on the internet then as there is now. True. Now it's gotten actually a lot easier to market. Right. Um, especially if you have a built-in audience um, that right. recognize your name and recognize your genre and are looking for more from you. Um, I know when Judith Krantz stopped writing novels, I was heartbroken. I was like, where's the next book? Right. <laughs> I don't have another book. Um, right. You know, where's the next thing to read? So, um, it's nice to be an automatic buy. Yes. Yes. And a lot of readers, if they know you're authentic, um, they will be waiting, you know, for your, uh, for your next, for your next novel to come out. They will be absolutely ready to buy it as soon as you put it out there. Do you have a single website for all of your books or, um, yes. Do the Regency books have their own um, platform? I just have one website. Actually, I recently redid it, and so I did not post my traditional Regencies there. Okay. Um, I'm hoping to get the rights back to some of them yeah, very I was soon. Ask you about that. And as soon as I do, then I'm going to self-publish them, and they'll be up on my website at that time. Okay. But I do have a website. It's um, www.meredithbond.com. Okay. That's and uh, and how do you use that to as your as your launching pad for your books? Um, my website is actually I hope that it's a fun place to visit. Okay. I try and make it so. 
Um, I my front page, I always have a message up there that I update every couple of days just to tell people what's going on. Okay. And then from that uh, landing page, you can go to my blog where I blog about either writing or self-publishing. Um, I do. I blog every. I post every Sunday evening. Okay. And I also on Thursdays I always post a healthy, easy recipe. Oh, nice! And I have a page from my landing page. Uh, there's a, a menu bar at the top, and there's a option called fooding. F O O D I N G. Okay. And that's where I post my recipes. Okay. And so every Thursday is there's a recipe and there's also you can link to a page where it lists um, my current books, Magic in the Storm and Chapter One. And there's also a page that talks about my formatting little side business that I've got going because I know how to format in HTML and for Create Space and for Smashwords, I format books for people who need help with that. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we are actually doing a separate services series, but for, for now, we'll just say, if you need your book formatted, call Mary. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and part of, that's what I get a lot of questions about myself. Um, mm -hmm. my, my books are fairly standard, um, not very fancy. And I just, I've, I've been doing KDB Select for a while now, and I'm just looking into, like, Smashwords and stuff, and I see where Smashwords does require some other elements that are not required uh, by some of the other books. Mm -hmm. So it's important to know that before you, because I had a couple of books up there, but they're just sitting there, and I didn't know why, and it's because I went back in last week and took a look around, and I'm like, oh, well, I need to add this. Uh, you know, this information to the front of my book and then they will put me in their um, extended distribution channels. And I'm like... that On the pre premium catalog for Smashwords. Yep, the premium catalog. So I'm like, right. I didn't know it was that easy. All I had to do was <laughs> this and the, the rest of it is ready. So um, right. that's, that's really important for um, authors to find someone like you that can uh, hold their hand through it or do it for them because they wrote the book then they want to just give it to somebody and they don't want to do traditional publishing, but they also, you know, don't want to deal with formatting. They don't, you know, electronic is one thing. Um, and then moving over to create space, create space, is, which is a different thing altogether. Yeah. Because now you've got gutters to deal with and, you know, placement on page looks the way you want it to. Whereas with the Kindle um, and the e-readers, everything is flat. You know, right? And actually, the the reader themselves chooses how they want it to look. Right, exactly. That's what I've been trying to explain to new authors. They don't get it. I'm so <laughs> I'm so glad you. Well, I mean, you obviously because you're doing it, but you know, they they just don't understand. They're like, but I want my page to look like this, so I'm going to put up a JPEG that has the text on it right under the picture where I want it, and I'm like. It's going to be too small to read, and it's going to not look right. If the person turns it sideways, it'll be chopped off, and they'll still have to scroll. So um, yeah. that's that's exciting to hear. Now, um, advice for new writers. You know, we kind of 
talked a little bit about how you said in your book, chapter one, it tells you, you know, how to do various things. If what's the first thing if someone comes to you and says, I want to write a book, what, you know, what are the first things you tell your students or that you would let our listeners know? Um, well, the first thing that I think they should know is to know what kind of writer they are. Mm-hmm. They should know whether they're more comfortable um, as what we call a seat-of-your-pants writer. You mm-hmm. just sit down with a blank screen and go at it and start typing, and your story just unfolds mm-hmm. from straight from your head. Okay. Or there are plotters. Um, I'm more of a plotter. I have worksheets for just about every single aspect of my book, and I plan it out in great detail before I ever start writing. Okay. So I will have all of my characters detailed. I will know them as well as I can, and I have my whole plot plotted out, my whole book plotted out, and everything decided upon before I even start with Chapter 1. Okay. So the first thing you need to know is what kind of writer you are and what you're comfortable with doing, how you're comfortable working. Okay. There isn't a right way to do it. You just have to know the way you need to do it. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, one of the things I want to do, um, like I mentioned, I've, I've got um, a novel that's like already presented to me that I need to do a sequel to and that I might even want to fix up um, even more the way it is, is I was thinking about storyboarding. Um, uh-huh. because I've got, you know, scripts and storyboarding is something that you do. And, um, and also you're a more visual person being a photographer. Totally. You got it. You got it. Other people are like, what do you need to do a storyboard for? And I'm like, because I need to look at something and have it, you know, I need to be able to pull the pieces out of the first book that right. I need for the second book. And I need to know where they go, and I need to know more about, you know, the world that was created so that Mm -hmm. I can be authentic to that world still, and I need to address those issues that were left hanging in the first book, because Mm -hmm. if I noticed, you know, someone else that's a fantasy reader is going to notice as well. Um, So you need to go through the first book and make up scene cards for each scene in the book. Okay. And what I do is I put them on a big sticky note. Okay. Yep. And on my sticky notes have a list. I list what the at the top what the name of the scene is. Okay. And then I list the goal for the scene, what the conflict is for the scene, what the purpose my purpose, the author's purpose is for the scene what action or tension there is in the scene. Okay. And so, and maybe on the back, I might put a real short description of generally what happens in that scene. And then I take um, one of those trifold display boards. Oh, okay. And I stick all my sticky notes up in order. Trip to Staples coming up. (laughs) Yeah. And that way you've got your whole book laid out for you right there in sticky notes and so if you want to move scenes around you just peel them off and put them where you want them to go 
Yeah, I mean, someone had told me to use a, a storyboard software. A, there's a, a novel writing sure. software. And there are a couple if, of very good ones. Um, if you know of some good ones, we'll, um, I'll have them email, have you email me those so that I can put those in the show notes. Um, I tend to be even more visual than that. I mean, I love my computer. I have a 17-inch MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. But if I'm writing... I need to look at the other things next to me. You know, I'm so visual that I can't have, like, I can't put index cards into, like, a little index card file. Like you said, it needs to be spread out on the board. So if I'm trying to do this on only one screen, it would be like I wouldn't be able to see what I did on the on the software that has the storyboard on it. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I right. mean? And yes, still be able absolutely. to type at the same time. One or the other has got to go on paper. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I'm completely with you there. I keep my storyboard next to me on the floor, and I have my computer in front of me, and I can go back and forth. Okay. Um, what you also might be interested in doing, because you're so visual, is creating a collage. Collaging is really popular with a lot of visual writers okay explain to me how that works i mean i know what a collage is but how as a writer would i um as a writer what you do is you find pictures either in the internet on the internet or in magazines of your main characters and um actually with the internet it's fabulous because um for one of my regency romances the hero was an anglo-indian and so I took a picture of a famous Bollywood movie star, um, Hrithik Roshan, who's absolutely gorgeous. Okay. And I changed the color of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I printed out a picture of him okay. and stuck it up on the wall in front of me. And there was Julian sitting there looking at me as I wrote his story. Nice. That's a great idea. I think I might be able to go with that. Yeah. And so you pick, you find pictures of your characters, and you can print them out, and you find pictures of where they live, the home they live in. Maybe if it's set in modern times, you might want a picture of their office, okay. a picture of their favorite places to go, their favorite restaurants, whatever it is that happens in the story that you would want a visual of. And you make a collage of all of these pictures. So you've got it next to you, and you've got that visual stimulation as you're writing. That's perfect, because I can I can look at a photo. No one's ever actually brought it up quite that way. Um, I can look at a picture, and I can tell a story about a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes a lot of sense to me. I did interview one author that said every Tuesday on her blog, she puts up a picture related to her story somehow. And tells how that story, how that picture is represented or impacts the story. So mm-hmm. what you just said was something that made sense to me now for me to do it that way or for other visual people who are out there thinking that, you know, I've got the story in my head. I don't know how to get it out. Oh, all right. I'll look through the magazines and I'll find my characters. And then right. I'll get one of those trifold boards and I'll start, you know, putting character sketches and stuff, you know, up on that board. And then I'll figure out where my story goes from there. Exactly. So that's awesome. 
that's that that was really great advice. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I wouldn't have thought of doing it that way. Yeah, I love music. Um, I can't actually I cannot write when there's any sound going on. Okay, but when I'm plotting and when I'm thinking, I'll play music. And for my craft of writing course, I now have music that goes with every topic that I teach. Nice. And I'll play a song to start off the course, start off the class. Um, and the song goes with the topic of the day. So I have lots of fun with that. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you you are, it's like on the next Food Network star, um, you know, reality show on TV. There is one of the chefs that is competing this uh, season that is, um, he's very young, and he's a rebel. And he, uh, Elton, uh, Elton Brown actually said about this particular character, someone said to Elton, um, he really uh, thinks outside of the box. And Elton said, I don't think he knows there is a box. <laughs> and that's how I see um, the direction that, you, that, that you're going, is that you are... You're not thinking inside the outside of the box of how you should be teaching writing. You're creating your own box or just blowing the box away because there are so many people that don't understand the relationship between um, all the different senses when you're trying to write. You know, yes. some people can only write when it's quiet, like you said. Some people um, have to play it all out in their head first. Some people need to have rock music playing while they're... Uh, while they're writing or you know mm-hmm. oh I've heard some great um, song lists playlists that people play while they're writing nice yeah uh, I want I want I want to talk to those people <laughs> 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 I want to know what some of those song lists are uh, oh yeah you know there's some great ones that's a whole new that's a whole new idea of you know for an author who is stuck you know, and can't figure out where to go next in their story or they need some inspiration or whatever is to put together a music playlist and think what's going through your head instead of what you want to be, uh, what you want to be concentrating on. You know, you get a song stuck in your head and you can't get it out until you hear it. Well, go play the song and then that way you'll be able to start writing again because the song will get the heck out of the way. All right. Um, the other thing I do when I tell people who are stuck is that I tell them if you're in or around New York City, just or it would even be worth it if you're really stuck to take a trip to New York City and just ride the subway for three or four hours. And <laughs> you'll find more stories and more characters than you can see any anywhere else in the world at any given moment in time. I'm sure. So, all right, so now we gave people some creative ideas about how to get their story started and get their book started. How about once they hit that marketing part, um, what are some of the things that you would advise as far as marketing your book or things that have worked for you? Um, The first obvious thing that you have to do to market your book is to have a great website. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it helps a lot to blog. Um, it also, of course, you have to be a member of as many social media sites as you can without seriously cutting into your writing time. Okay. Which is such a difficult balance. I don't know any writers 
just about who don't face this problem. Right. I think I've met one or two who have this under control because there's so many writing social media sites and it's such a wonderful way to connect with readers and with other writers that you just get sucked in and all of a sudden hours have passed. <laughs> right. And um, what, are, what are some of the better um, social media sites that people should try to get into their uh, daily or weekly routine? Absolutely Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people find Twitter really useful. Mm-hmm. Other writers Good. have told me they can't write anything in 140 characters, so they won't go near Twitter. <laughs> I know. It can be really tough, which is why Facebook is great. Right. <laughs> You're not limited. Um, Goodreads is great. Okay. Um, there's a new social media site just for artists and writers called MyWanna. Can you spell that? My M Y and and then capital W capital A capital N capital A. Oh, okay. My wanna. It was started by Kristen Lamb, uh, and it's uh, wanna stands for we are not alone. Oh, that's great. And it is artists getting together and supporting each other and learning from each other, and it's just wonderful. That's great, because that's the kind of site that um, I would want book goodies to become, and it's also in the main industry that I work in. Uh, that's one of the main... Um, I have a forum, and I work with right. um, a lot of uh, social media to make sure that people in that industry who are also a lot of work-at-home people... Um, mostly entrepreneurial and, and work at home, they think they're the only one. You know, right. they they think they're in this all alone. And you know, we've got a lot of nice support groups. So this sounds like a nice, wonderful new site to remind writers that you know you're not out there by yourself. There's you know you might think that you're the only one having this hard time working <laughs> on this book. But there's, you know, probably several thousand other people, you know, within your state alone that are still sitting there, you know, staring at a blank page at their on their computer or, you know, that can't figure out how to get this character from here to here. And, right. you know, they know they want to go, but they can't figure out how. So, mm-hmm. and so my there, one is a great social media site. Okay. Are there any others? Um, Nobody seems to be mentioning shofari is nobody like using shofari that much i don't it's shofari is not a media a social media place though is it it's kind of i have listed i've list i have a an author page on on amazon and a shofari page that go with each of my books that describe the book in more detail okay all right. I see. I haven't looked at it that much, and I, yeah. um, because of the other uh, industry that I'm in, I spend. Uh, I've not spent a lot of time on book specific community sites. I just know that Amazon wants me to do stuff on Shelfari, and that other people are doing stuff on Goodreads. And I haven't looked into right. the benefits of each of them yet. I've run a couple of giveaways on Goodreads, um, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting sales from that but um you know I I have to divide up like you said I have to divide up my day into what gets the most attention that particular day 
Right. And, and I don't want to be overrun with um, putting information on a site that isn't going to be a benefit to me in some way. Right. I also just yesterday, in fact, um, joined Triber. And how um, do you spell that? T-R-I? T-R-I-B-E-R-R. E-R-R. Okay. Yeah. And that's a good place where you can promote your blog. Oh, okay. Cool. That That's the main point of Triber. You join a tribe, or I guess many tribes, mm-hmm. um, and you promote your blog there. And there are people there looking for guest bloggers, okay. which is terrific because that's a great way to market mm-hmm. and get your voice heard by more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I, as I say, I just joined yesterday, okay. so I am figuring it out. Actually, my blog this week is about Triber and trying to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Um, well, maybe we can follow up with you in a couple months and see if uh, things like that are, are helping or if they, like, fell by the wayside. Um, yeah. I, I didn't get big into Pinterest, and all of a sudden I've got authors that swear by Pinterest that it's selling, you know, sending them traffic and selling them books. And Oh, I've heard great things about Pinterest, but, yeah, I've also heard it's a time suck. It's a very that big, is, yeah. And I don't have the time to devote to it, and right. so I have... I've avoided that one myself. Hire a publicist. <laughs> let yeah, them, who let has them, the money let for them that? Go, let's go. Let, let let them go deal with the Pinterests and the time suck places. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's um, actually one of one of the podcasts I did this week is with a, a book publicist, and um, you know, it, it's it's a choice where you're going to spend your money and if you have any money to spend or not. And like you said, all these things that you mentioned are free, you know, right. even a website doesn't have to call cost you more than five or 10 bucks a month. Exactly. And you know, you can, uh, you can have a professional looking site and, um, it's a tool because all of your social media needs to have some place to funnel people. Social mm-hmm. media exists to send people to your website. That's, you know, that's another thing I preach to people. You know, on your website, yes, you can have a Facebook like button. You can have people go like you on Facebook or on Twitter. But you don't have big, huge, you know, the front. And I, I saw this yesterday on a book website and I wanted to cry. He had a beautiful website template. And right there on the front page was, come follow me on Facebook. I mean, like in 72-point type, you know, <laughs> he was sending people away from his website to go to Facebook. We're going to tell you all the good things on Facebook. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you want to tell people all the good things on your website and you want to use Facebook to entice more people to come to your website. So. Yeah. It's a balance. It's really a balance to find out what works for you and with your time constraints and with your financial constraints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what would be your uh, parting thoughts to, to uh, someone listening to this uh, podcast? Um, we, are, we already said what would be the first thing you would say to a writer. Let's say, you know, what, what would be your parting thoughts to people who are already in the process and just maybe need a little encouragement? Um, absolutely. Don't give up. Don't listen to your demons. 
because there are going to be lots of little voices in your head saying, you're never going to do this. But, you know, you can just do whatever you set your mind to doing. And if you set your mind to writing a great book, you're going to write the best book that you can possibly write. And then you put it out there and you hope that you make people happy with it. I like it. <laughs> well, Mary, it has been a joy talking to you this evening. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to um, share your thoughts with our listeners. And can you tell us once again, um, spell out your website for the people who are listening uh, that aren't landed on the show notes page? Oh, sure. Meredith. First of all, it's www.meredithbond.com. Meredith Bond dot com. Love it. And do you have a Twitter or a Facebook? Thank you. Absolutely. Why don't you my say Twitter ha- My Twitter handle is at Mary Bond. That's M-E-R-R-Y-B-O-N-D. Mm-hmm. And uh, my Facebook fan page is um, facebook.com slash Meredith Bond fan. Love it. That's, that's great. Um, again, thank you. We appreciate thank you, you being so here. much for having me on, Deborah. I really appreciate it. Um, as always, if you are listening to this on uh, through iTunes or some other podcatcher and you haven't landed on our website, please go to bookgoodies.com, search for Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, and you'll find our podcast and you can leave comments, um, ask questions, you know, give suggestions for future, uh, for future podcasts. We have a Be Our Guest form and a Contact Us form. And we also have a form where you can list out your book information and your Kindle free days if you happen to be Katie's piece select with um, your ebooks. So um, I want to thank geekcast.fm who hosts our podcasts and where you can find all kinds of other fun uh, marketing podcasts. And um, again, like I said, Mary, thank you so much. Uh, you can find you. me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Loxley, L-O-X-L-Y, or at DeborahCarney.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Get writing, and have a great day.